are you ready for God's word? That's what I'm talking about. The heart of the matter is the sermon series we started last week, and we talked about how important the heart is to God, how important it should be to you. In case you're wondering, the knee's feeling pretty good. So I'm going to start off on the stool, and we'll see how long it, it, it takes to get off. But uh, we said that it's so important, the Bible emphasizes the fact that we need to guard our heart. Amen? Amen. We said last week that the wise uh, prophet of God, Solomon, said, keep your heart with all diligence. Notice what he says, keep it. It means to guard it. It means you've got to be diligent about it. He uses the word, or the New King James uses the word diligence. It means you cannot be half-hearted about it. You can't be haphazard about it. You can't half-step it. You cannot take it for granted. You've got to be vigilant. Diligent means responsible and dialed in. Because it is the spring of life. In the King James, it says it's the wellspring. It means it's living water to you. And without water, a community, a person dies. In the NIV, it says above all. Notice the words above all. That means make it your priority to guard your heart for everything flows from it. It is the, it is the mechanism that gives you life, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual it's super, super important. So today, I want to I emphasize something, something important about the heart and something that we need to be very careful of in guarding our heart. We need to be careful not to harden our heart. Don't harden your heart. Do you know it's possible for you to harden your heart? Do you know you get a choice in the matter? Whether you want to harden your heart. You say, but pastor, I thought there are passages in God's word where God hardens the heart. Well, let me put it to you this way. God's sunshine of his love shines on all of us. It's how you receive it that determines whether your heart is hardened or softened. What do I mean by that? The clay is hardened to the sunshine. The wax is melted. The question is your, it, 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 the, the, the opportunity is yours. The question is posed to each individual. How will you respond to God? How will you respond to God? Will you be like Pharaoh and harden your heart every time God approached him? Every time God dealt with him? Every God, time God sent messengers to him? Every time Moses said, Behold, the Lord declares such and such. He would harden his heart. And so today you have a choice in the matter. You can harden your heart or you can soften your heart. Soften your heart. Moses had his heart softened. Pharaoh had his heart, heart hardened. And the truth of the matter is, it happens gradually. Gradually and then all of a sudden. Did you know that? It is possible that the enemy would work 20, 30 years to harden your heart and just slowly work on you, slowly work on you. You know, a, a very wealthy man was asked, how is it that you went broke? You had so much money. And he said this, he said, first 
very gradually, and then all of a sudden. Isn't that true? Isn't that the way things happen? At first, things happen very slowly, but then at the end, it seems like it just happens so quickly. Do you know that's the way the enemy works? He works slowly, 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 but then when he has you in his grasp, it's all of a sudden. He tries to rip it all away from you. And this is, this is a, a principle that's not just applied to him. You see this all over. It's a universal principle that you can work on things slowly because we have a very limited uh, sweet spot of perception. What do I mean by that? Human beings, if you move too slow, they won't perceive it. If you move too fast, they won't perceive it. Come on, how many of you have ever been tricked by those games where they put a picture and then they flash another one so fast that you, you don't remember what was changed in the picture? But then when they show you how many things were changed, you're like, oh my goodness, how could I have missed all of those changes? Because they were doing it super fast. How about if they moved it super slow? Over the course of years, they have a camera set up. You won't perceive all the changes because you don't, you don't perceive that slowly. You're living in a certain framework of time and space. The enemy knows this. You know, it reminds me of a story about a pastor. He was brought into an old school church. It was a Baptist church, and they had deacons and committees and all of these things. And uh, they brought him in with the intention to have him shake up the place. You know, come on, we got to get some, some, some life in us, and we want you to shake it up. How many of you know that sometimes what you say you want is not actually what you want? So he came in and he moved the pulpit out of the way and he moved the communion table out of the way and he cleared the choir loft and he put up instruments and he started recruiting musicians and he changed out the pews and he put, out, he put in uh, seats like the ones you're sitting in and then he replaced the hymnals with a screen and he did all of these things on day one. Some of you are going, oh, exactly, day two he was fired. 30 years later, they had a big reunion of all the ministers that had been there, and they were celebrating, you know, I don't know how many years of existence, and so and they invited him, and he thought, maybe I shouldn't go. I was only there a week. And they said, they really wanted him to come, so he said, oh, what, you know, why not? I'll, I'll show up because uh, that's part of my history. And so he gets there, and everything's changed. And he comes over to the pastor, and he says, can I just ask you one question? How'd you do it? When I was there, I did all the changes that I see now, and yet I was fired. And here you come along, and you've done everything that I, was good. I did. He says, I did it one inch at a time. Every week I'd move the pulpit one inch. Every week I'd move the communion table one inch. Every week I'd replace one pew with chairs. And every week I would just remove this and do this. How many of you know Satan knows that too? He knows that too. And he will work on you one inch at a time. So my message today is do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. See, my favorite hymn, you go, Pastor, man, you're really talking about your, your roots here. Well, I was raised right. Amen. What do you mean that you were raised right? I was raised by a father that taught me his word. He taught me his word, and, and, and you say, you, you appreciate your heritage? Of course I appreciate my heritage. It's how I was saved. It's, it's what God used to bring me into his loving grace, amen? No one should ever despise their heritage if it brought them to Jesus, amen? 
So, so I can remember singing this great hymn, and it's called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. If you haven't heard it, don't worry, I'll sing it for you. And I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But I will tell you that like a good, uh, like a good former Baptist boy, we'll do the first and the last stanza only, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let, let's, let's read the first stanza. It goes, come thy fount of every blessing. Tune thy heart to sing thy praise. So he's talking about the heart. He, he, he addresses it right from the start. And he says, streams of mercy ever ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet. Sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Now this is my favorite verse. I'm not going to sing it. I want you to concentrate on it. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a distraction with my great voice. I'm just kidding here. Oh to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And you know, when I sang that, even as a boy or a young man, I knew it was talking about me. My heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And the Bible says that he seals it with his Holy Spirit. And then he says it again. Here's the refrain. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. How many of you can say, that's me. My heart is prone to wander. It's like I'm, that's the way I'm made. But God wants to remake you in the image of his son. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're talking about here today. We're talking about knowing God in such a way that you know that you're saved. Amen? That you know that you're saved. In fact, the message is going to be super simple, yet very, very deep and very hard. Super simple in that we have three points. You'll remember them because I've, I've built the message around the, the acronym TKO. What is a TKO? Any boxing fans in the room? A technical knockout. How many of you know that God wants you not to be technically knocked out at the end? He wants you to be saved. The last, I think the worst thing we could ever experience is to be technically knocked out in life. And how many of us know no one starts off life saying, man, I can't wait to get knocked out. Anyone start off and anyone wake up in the morning and go, yep, today's the day I'm getting knocked out. I'm going to put my chin out there right here. Yet we live that way. We don't say it, but our actions demonstrate it. So I want you to think about this. The T stands for trusting. God wants you to trust him. He wants you to know him and ultimately obey him. So T is for trusting. K is for knowing. O is for obeying. You say, how so, Pastor? Why is this so important? Because I want you to know that God will take you to, through testing, tribulation, trials, for a very specific reason. 
for a very specific reason. Now listen, we, none of us want to be knocked out, but we do face a real enemy. And it reminds me of the wise words of that great theologian, Mike Tyson, who said, everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And so we start off strong, but the enemy's going to do his best to make us cower down, to have us harden our heart, to turn tail and run. And I want you to know, greater is he who is within you than he who's in the world. Greater is he that is the spirit of the living God that seals your heart for the day of redemption, amen? And he wants you to learn to trust God. So in the trusting God, it's in, it's in, it's in the maturing of your faith. It's in the maturing of your faith. So stay with me. First Peter puts it this way. The testing of your faith is to produce genuineness in your faith. Genuineness. Being much more precious than gold. You are much more precious than gold. Watch this. Though it is tested by fire. What is tested by fire? Your faith and gold. So how do you, how do you test gold? You heat it to the point that it it begins to melt, and when it melts, it releases impurities. The impurities collect at the top. You've heard this before. And the goldsmith will take the impurities, he'll, he'll take them off the top, and it leaves a refined gold. He'll keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this, sifting off the top all the impurities until the gold is so shiny he can see his reflection in it. How many of you know that's what God is doing to you? He turns up the heat of life. But why does life have to have heat? Couldn't God have just made us perfect? You know, an atheist was debating a Christian the other day. And this, this atheist is, is um, well, I, I, never mind. He's here in Austin and he really thinks of himself as, as, um, as sophisticated. He's an ex-pastor, so to speak. I don't know, something of that uh, uh, to, to that extent. And he was saying things like this. He's saying, if I'm a sinner, couldn't God have made me without sin? Couldn't God have made a universe that no sin exists? And if no sin existed, couldn't we be in this perfect uh, uh, environment? Therefore, sin is his fault. Yes, he could have made us a program. He could have made us a robot. He could have made us uh, to have no free will. But instead, he chose to create us free. He chose to create us free. Amen? Why did he choose to create us free? So that we might experience love. We shared that last week. You cannot force a woman to love you. You cannot force a man to love you. That has to be of their own free will. But much more. He did make a perfect world. You're forgetting Genesis. He made a perfect world with no sin. Adam had no sin. But he posed the question, do you love me enough to trust me? Do you trust me enough to love me? Because after all, he wanted a love relationship. And so because of Adam, sin entered into the world, and now we have this world full of trials and tribulations, full of troubles. And God uses this world and uses the weight room of life to produce faith in you. Because ultimately, he wants you to reflect his love and his goodness. Amen? 
Watch what the Bible says. It's right here. He goes deeper and he says, count it all joy. The brother of Jesus says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For we know that the testing of our faith produces what? Come on, what do trials and tribulations produce? They produce steadfast faith. Come on, isn't this true? It says, and the steadfastness will have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what the Bible is saying is when you encounter a trial, when you encounter a tribulation, when you encounter encounter a trouble, you need to know God has me pumping iron. Hey, God has me pumping weight. And he's standing there as my spotter and he's lifting it up slowly saying, you can do this. You can do this. You're building faith. You're building faith. Come on. Some of us are going, oh, shoot, pastor. I hate working out. And it... Oh, I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) But now that you convicted yourself, come on, God wants you to reflect him well. And so we're not talking about pumping iron in the physical because some of us put so much emphasis on the physical, but yet in the spiritual, we're shriveling up. We're puny weaklings, blown away by, blown to and fro by every trial of life. Every struggle and tribulation and, and, and temptation, we start to, oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. But yet we walk around like this in the physical. I'd rather walk around like this in the physical, but know who I am in the spiritual. Amen? Now I'm going to get the physical right too now. We got to get that right too. Amen? But listen to what What Romans says, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, therefore, now now I'm going to share something with you about this verse. This verse is one of the most significant verses in all of Scripture. All of Scripture. I want you to pay particularly close attention to the technical aspects of this verse. Okay? In fact, I would like you to commit it to memory. I want you to look so hard at it, you don't just hear my words. You hear my words, but you are... You are laser focused on this verse. It will change your life. Pastor, you say that about every verse. Yes, because every verse is part of God's word. But this one in particular. Are you with me? Therefore, having been justified by faith. How are you justified? What does he mean, justified? You were once considered unjust. That means guilty. You were on this side of the ledger. You were an enemy of God. You were, going, you were incurring his wrath and his judgment. You say, they, they call, you were on death row. You were a dead man walking, meaning it's just a matter of time. If you died in your sins, you would be judged for every one of them. You go, Pastor, but I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, when you stand before a judge, you don't go before the judge and say, yes, I know I murdered and raped and pillaged and did all of these horrible things, but I did some good things. What's the judge going to say? We're not talking about your good. We're talking about your crimes. And so I think people have this wrong idea. Yo, God has given us a justice system so that we can get an idea of what it might be like when we stand before the ultimate judge who cannot be swayed, who is perfect, who knows everything. He has perfect knowledge of your thoughts, even the thoughts of your heart. Every word you've ever spoken. And so if you die without Jesus, without faith, 
Watch, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what happens. Lord, I believe you. I believe you sent your son to die for me. You raised him from the dead and you proved that you are all powerful. I put my faith in you. And by that faith, you receive God's grace. Watch what it says. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I used to stand over here on this side of the ledger guilty, but now I stand being justified. Remember the verse last week when we said, for with the mouth one confesses unto salvation, but with the heart you believe unto what? Righteousness. When you believe and then you confess, you you get salvation, and it's by grace. You access God's love. God's love is grace and mercy working together on our behalf. Mercy is I deserve hell, so God says I'm not going to give you hell. I don't deserve heaven. Grace says I'm going to give you what you don't deserve, and that's heaven. Do you catch that? Notice how beautiful this verse is. This is super, super important. Because he's telling you there's salvation through how many? One name. His name is? Don't believe the lie that you can be saved by other people. Only God's son who died and rose again and lived a perfect sinless life can save you. It's in believing in him. Believing in him. Now watch this. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but here, watch. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is the entire New Testament in one passage. It's by faith. That you, what? Faith in Jesus that you are justified and you get grace. Something you don't deserve. And then watch this. That same faith is refined. So I'm going I'm to show you this, this picture here. These tests, these trials, these tribulations, they produce what? Trust. You cannot trust Something that hasn't been tested. This is the way God uses this system. This system of this evil world to show you your faith is true. He gets you in the weight room of life and he says, Are, do you got, is it true? Have you given me your heart? Because if you've given me your heart, it's going to produce some things. It's going to produce trust. What do you mean trust? It means that when you go through some things, you know that God can be trusted. Come on, anyone in the room that can say, no, 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 no. I've lived a little bit now, pastor. I'm not a brand new Christian. I know that God has done brought me through some things. God brought me through. He's gotten me over on the other side. I didn't know how. I didn't understand how. I couldn't see my way through. But God showed, oh, come on. I feel like preaching. You won't help me. But God showed up. He showed up in the nick of time. Before the floodwaters 
swallowed me alive. He showed up financially for me. He showed up in that dark night when only the only thing I could scream out was, Jesus help me. Anyone here? Anyone here can give testimony to that? Anyone here can say, no, Lord, I've learned. I've learned that you haven't brought me all this way just to drop me. You haven't brought me all this way from trial to trial to trial just to leave me and to walk out on me. You don't leave. I know what David meant when he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because I can sense you with me. And the reason I know you're with me, the reason I know you're with me is because I have some experiences. And I can look back over my life and say, you were with me here, you were with me here, you were with me here. Guess what? There you are. There you are. There you are. Anyone? See, God is not like Pastor Chris. You mess around with Pastor with me. You mess around with me. When we stop at Bucky's, you get left. Oh yeah, I even left my own kids. So we're traveling back. Melissa had stayed home, and it was Evie, me, and Honey. And we're traveling back from visiting my mom, and we had stopped by my brother's house in Dallas. And uh, I drove on, and we stopped at Bucky's just to refresh ourselves to top off the, the gas tank. And uh, I pulled over, and so I called my brother. My brother called me, and I was talking to him. And then I finished pumping gas, got in the car, and I drove off. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, um, I'm talking to my brother, and I'm going, man, I can't help but feel like I forgot something at, at mom's house or, or at your house. He says, no, 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 no. Last time you forgot your, your laptop and I didn't want to have to drive halfway to meet you. So I made sure you had your laptop and you have your kids. What else matters? I go, my kids? <laughs> oh, shoot. Where did I leave them? He says, you probably left them at Bucky's. And to hear Honey say it, Honey says that they got it done with the restroom, and they're kind of walking, and they see me walking through the, through, the winch, you know, through the glass. They were inside, and they said, oh, Dad's getting in the truck, and he starts it, and he's going to drive up to pick us up, but then he, he turns, and he turns, and he exits, and then Evie says, um, Evie says, I think he's just playing with us, and Honey's like, no, no, he's not, and I get on the highway, and then I just disappear. And then they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And some of us think because others have disappeared on us that God will too. Do not harden your heart. He will not. And you will learn to say through the trials and tests of life, you will learn to stand in His grace and in His mercy and declare like the psalmist did. I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've seen highs and lows and I've seen a lot of crazy things. But the one thing I've never seen is the almighty righteous father forsake his children. I've never seen him be a bad father. I've never seen him for, forsake his children. He loves his children. He will not leave them. No matter how many times pastor leaves his at Bucky's. He won't. See, because these tests, these trials, these tribulations are producing real faith in us. But I want to get deeper into this verse. Are you with me? Now watch. Faith is the way we access grace. For by grace we have been saved through faith. 
Without belief, there is no grace, no salvation. None. And so this faith, watch this, has to go through testing. You cannot trust something that hasn't been tested. Not too long ago, well, it's been a little while since Baylor been in a bowl game, but <laughs> Baylor was in a bowl game, and we went to um, we went to New Orleans to see the game. And as you drive through New Orleans, you can't help if you look if you drive by the old Hard Rock Cafe uh, or the Hard Rock Hotel. It was completely in shambles. Half of it had completely crumbled. Oh, it must have been a nightmare if you were staying there. And as I started to do research, I couldn't help but notice that many people were questioning the testing of the material and the building process was in question. Come on, how many of you know that if you haven't been tested, if the building material hasn't been tested, don't stay there? Isn't that true? Come on, let me put it to you another way. If your surgeon hasn't been tested, if your pilot hasn't been, well, if your life hasn't been tested. So there was a man, he was really nervous. He was about to go into surgery and the doctor comes up and he says, man, you're really shaking. He goes, doc, I'm super nervous. This is my first time. He says, I know how you feel. It's my first time too. <laughs> did not help him, did it? So watch. That tribulation of your faith, that testing, those trials, that trouble, it produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. But watch, hope doesn't produce a love of God. Watch what it does. It says because of the love of God, you have to go through something to know certainly that God loves you. That God loves you. Do you see what the Bible says? How many of you know the verse? And now abideth faith, hope, and love. But faith has to go through something. So what Paul did is he added those things in between faith and hope. Are you with me? So if you're here today and you're saying, man, life has gotten tough. I need, I need to know, know that I know that I know. Look, look how important knowing God is. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may he give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. When you know God, but how will you know him unless you've been through a few things? This is when your heart is enlightened, when you really know him. He goes on to say this. In that same book of Ephesians, he's talking to Christians. He's saying, it's important to know you used to be unsaved, but now you're saved. How does that, save, how does that saving grace take place? Through faith. You believe God, and you've come to know him better. You're not like you used to be. How were you before? What are those that don't know God? What are they like? Well, he says it here. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They don't know. You go, ignorant? Yes. And this causes a hardness of the heart. It's right there. Do you see that? Due to the hardness of their hearts. So stay with me on this. What is ignorance? Well, according to the dictionary, a lack of... How do you get to know God? When you walk through some things... 
you get to know God. If you don't know God, you won't know you can trust him. You're just ignorant. You have no idea that you can trust God. He goes, is this important? Yeah, this is super important because I want you to know that God doesn't tempt us. He tests us. And that test is not to have us fall into sin, but to have us stand in faith that we might know him. So we get to the last, the last point, obeying. Testing, knowing, obeying. This is super important because I'm going to deal with some of the hardest verses in the entire New Testament. And I want you to be strengthened in your faith. Okay? So one of the hardest verses comes from Jesus himself in Matthew 7, verse 21. Down. You say, what verse is that? Come on, you know this one when he says, not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. For many will come to me on that day and say, what? Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't I do that? Didn't I do all of these great and wonderful things in your name? And I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. So this idea of knowing is important, but not an idea of knowing just up here. For the Bible says that the devil knows God. In fact, the first to recognize the Savior were the demons. They said, son of man, it's not time yet. Remember? So they know God. They were in heaven with God. But they don't believe, they don't know him here. So knowing him in your heart is a different thing from knowing of him up here. Okay? So Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. So how do I know that I know God? It's in obedience. And obedience is the inclination of our heart. Watch what the Bible says. I have inclined my heart to perform what's important to you. What's in your word? I've inclined my heart to perform this word. You say, what do you mean inclined? Let's think of it this way. As opposed to the default position of being reclined. Reclining is, I don't care. Right? How many of you? God is saying, get out your lazy boy. Get out of your lazy boy and incline yourself to me. Not recline, no. Incline yourself to me. Face me. Give me your Come on, y'all, give me your heart. I want your heart. I need it. You say, Pastor, are you sure? See, obedience is the evidence of our trust. Obedience is the evidence of our trust. This is another very, 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 very important verse. So the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, now let me ask you a question. I only have five minutes. How many of you have ever read the book of Hebrews and been scared to death? If you've never been scared to death of the book of Hebrews or at least dealt with the hard things it says, you haven't read it. Because the book of Hebrews says things like this. If you sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice. I'm going to ask you to put the verse up here. If you sin willfully, watch this. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Anyone freaking out right now? If you're not freaking out, you don't value salvation, in my opinion. Because this verse has to be dealt with. 
It also says things like this. It says things like, if, if you trample the blood of Jesus underfoot, then how can you be saved? Meaning if you act like you don't care and you live any old way after you know the truth. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm building up that uncomfortableness in your heart so you can want the answer. So you can truly want the answer. Anyone truly want the answer? Anyone going, oh Lord, please. Well, let me ask you a question. That sin willfully, that's what bothers us, right? Well, is there any other kind of sin? Like, I sinned against my will. They forced me. There is no other kind of sin. It's all willful sin. So that means you can't sin after you're saved? No. What it means is this. You willfully reject the knowledge of the truth. What does it mean to know God in your heart? It means you willfully harden your heart against him as your savior. You willfully say, I don't believe. You know how many people today are saying, I just can't believe in a God that would do such and such. They're hardening their heart in judgment against God. Or they say, I cannot believe that Jesus is the only way. You're hardening your heart. You say, are you sure? Okay, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 3. Are you with me? Hebrews chapter 3, this is where he lays out the foundation for the rest of the book. And watch what he says in Hebrews chapter 3. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. So he's talking, listen to me very closely, he's talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness that, that, that wandered for 40 years. He's talking about them, but he's talking to the children of God that are 40 years removed from Jesus' death and resurrection. And he's saying the way they hardened their hearts and did not enter heaven, please don't do that. But he's not just talking to the children of God in the New Testament. He's talking to the readers that would read this. And he's saying, do not harden your How do you harden your heart? Stay with me. Are you with me? Watch. It's right there. He quotes the book of Psalms. So when you go to the book of Psalms, oh, come, let us worship him. First and foremost, are you with me? And bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, today, if you hear his voice, when is the day of salvation? Today. So if you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion, in the day of of the trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me and they tried me though they saw my work they kept trying me and I want you to look at the footnote he mentions two places these two places bookmark the 40 years are you with me how do you bookmark the 40 years there's a certain indication in God's word you have the the notation there One's in Exodus, the other is in Numbers. The very first time when they first got out of Egypt, they started grumbling against the Lord because they were thirsty. And God rebuked them and had Moses tap on the rock and bring forth living water. 
Watch, 40 years later, the next place, 40 years removed, the next place, they're thirsty, they're grumbling, they're questioning God, they're doubting God, and God says, how long? The truth is, you're never going to believe me. I'm going to let that settle in. I don't care about how long it takes. This is God's day. We're going to take as long as it takes to understand this point. What is God saying? When you first were delivered, I showed you you could trust me, but you questioned me. Forty years go by and you're still questioning me? You're still grumbling against me? You still have no rest in your heart or in your soul. You're still saying, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta rely on my own strength. I got to do it my way. You're still going to, you're not saved. You're not saved. Because real salvation produces something. Real salvation produces trust. I'm not saying you're perfect, but I'm saying, hey, I've learned a couple things, Lord. I've learned, I've been around the mountain a few times, and I've learned one thing. I can trust you. I'm not the same guy I was. I don't grumble and complain the way I used to. I may slip up in some, in some attitudes and some things, but I'm not the same person. Why? Because my heart has, come on, someone. Someone give God glory. Someone give God glory. So watch what he says about these people. I'm going to drop down. I'm going to say, these people, their hearts are always going astray from me. They're always going astray. And because of that, they shall not enter my rest. What is rest? Heaven. Heaven. I want you to start reading the Bible more technically. What else does the Bible say about rest? Who is our rest? Jesus. He said, I will be your rest. Put, take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. And you will have rest for your souls. They're not saved. They're not saved. Watch. Watch what he says to finish this chapter 3. Are you with me? He says this. Beware, brethren, lest there be any among you or any of you that have an evil heart of unbelief. See, if you have an unbelieving heart, he finishes the chapter in verse 19. So we see that they could not enter because of what? They will have no rest. They will have no heaven. They will not have relationship with God because they have no relationship with God. Why? Because in order to please God and in order to have a relationship with God, you have to have a soft, believing heart. Notice what else the Hebrew prophet says. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does it mean? Without faith, it's impossible to have a relationship with God. You go, Pastor, you mean I don't have to worry about losing my salvation? No, you have to worry about having it. About really having it. Are you with me? How do you know if you have it? Don't get knocked out. How do I keep from being knocked out? I know that this whole life and all its troubles are testing my faith, showing me that I know I can trust God. And I may not be perfect in my obedience, but I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my best. Because after all, it's about a soft heart. I love you, church.
I love you with all my heart. I preach this so that you can gain confidence. Gain real confidence. And you can say, no, 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 no. I don't respond in the same old, this is a big one for me. I don't want to be the same old, um, what, what, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, like, I've always struggled with my temper. I'm not going to have that temper. Why? Because I trust the Lord and I rest in Him. I rest in Him. There's a difference. I apologize for not giving enough time for communion. I did take a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I really felt someone needed to hear this today. Someone needed to hear this today. Really understand salvation because Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. And so as you, as you inquire of the Lord, would you just say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know that I can trust you in my trials and tribulations. And, and Lord, let my obedience be the evidence of the life change. With all my heart, I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you with all my heart for the blood that was shed. And I'm not the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, church. Don't have to prove anything. There's room at the table.